10, verses 19 through 25. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Habits. We all have them. Good ones and bad ones. All of us have certain predictable routines in our lives and patterns to the way we think and behave. Now just think about this morning, for example. What did you do the first thing when you opened your eyes this morning? What is your normal routine? Did you get out of bed and go brush your teeth? Did you put on a pot of coffee first thing? If you are a parent, were you awakened by children climbing into bed with you, as often happens with us? Someone in the early service said the first thing they did in the morning was open their eyes and then shut them again. Sadly for me, the first thing that I typically do in the morning is to look at my iPhone. It's right by my bedside, and like probably many of you, I use it as an alarm um, and as my clock. I say sadly because this habit of looking at my smartphone too often leads me on a path of distraction. Because not only do I see what time it is, but then, of course, I have to check my calendar and see what I have going on for the day. And then, of course, oh, I must see what, who emailed me in the middle of the night. And then maybe my Facebook account. And before I know it, I have wasted the first part of my morning already being distracted and scatterbrained rather than focused and prayerful as I long to be. All of us have habits. Ways of doing things that we do over and over again, just like the things that we do when we get up in the morning. What are your habits? The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 10 that we just heard, And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In this passage, we are admonished not to get out of the habit of gathering together with other believers. So this is not a sermon to make you feel guilty if you don't come to church every week. But I do want to admonish you and encourage you because I believe it is important for us to pay attention to our habits as scripture encourages us. Habits. Habits shape what we love. Habits shape how we live. They shape our practices. And habits help us remember what we forget. 
First, habits shape what we love. It's important to be truthful about what we love because we want what we love. That makes sense, right? We want or desire the things that we love. So it's important that we know what we love. Now, the best way to figure out what a person loves is to look at his or her habits. And we might not love what we think we do. We can say we believe something or love something, but our habits, our patterns of living show what we actually love. Now, the other day, in thinking about this sermon, I was in the car with my son and I asked him, what is something that mommy says or does all the time? And you know it's coming. Without missing a beat, my son said, I know what you tell us all the time. You tell us no. <laughs> yes, I did get a good laugh out of that, and so did he. But here's my point. I love my children, and they do know that. But the usual go-to patterns of what they hear and see me do point me to consider that I love order and my ways more. What I really love, if I'm honest, is being in control. I'm showing what is important to me by what I say and what I do repeatedly in my life, what my habits are. J.K. Smith is an author that I have been reading lately in his book, You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit, has been a very interesting book. And he says that our culture forms us or forms in us habits of egocentricity, a vision of life which revolves around self-gratification in which we are the center of the universe. Our hearts and what we love are being shaped by liturgies of the world. So he says that around us in our culture, there are actually liturgies, habits. And so the way that I get up in the morning and check my phone, that habit tunes my heart to love myself, my schedule, my busyness, and self-importance. Busyness. That's the new fine, isn't it? Someone asked you, how are you? And we like to say, busy. We're busy. Lauren Winner says, busyness is a new sloth. Busyness, my Blackberry or iPhone. The feeling of never being caught up. The fantasies about myself that busyness factors, fosters. This busyness is just as disorienting, just as deadly as the traditional seven sins. I am too busy to go to church too busy to pray. There's not enough time to pray, not enough time to hold body together, let alone soul. I am too lazy to do what's important or hard. So I stay busy with everything else. Ouch. I think what she says is true. All of us are busy. And if our habits and practices show what we love, then we love being busy. But if our habits show what we love, then it is also true that we can actually shape or change what we love through our habits, through changing our habits. And that is why Smith argues why it is important that as Christians, 
we get into the habit of meeting together in community. We gather together in a worship space and practice the liturgies of the church, these habits. Because worship and prayer call us out of ourselves and into the life of God. And these habits that we are forming, even right now in this space, are countermeasures that reorder what we love. And that, in turn, changes how we act in the world. Let me say that again. Our habits, our liturgies, what we do as a people of God are countermeasures that reorder what we love. And that, in turn, changes how we act in the world. So habits shape what we love. And also, habits shape our practice, the way we live. My oldest daughter, Allison, asked me last week, and she didn't know I was preaching on this. She said, Mom, can you be a Christian and not go to church? And that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I've got to be careful about how I answer this. But what I said to her is, Allison, of course, you can be a Christian, and that doesn't mean you have to go to church to be a Christian. But let me ask you this. You love to dance, and you go to the ballet. Can you call yourself a dancer? and not be a part of a ballet or go to dance class? She thought about it and she said, yes. And you play the violin, Allison. You're part of a strings ensemble. Can you call yourself a violinist, but not be a part of that orchestra or that strings ensemble? And she said, yes. Said, but the thing is, if you don't go to dance class, if you don't practice your violin or are part of a group, then you will not be able to have, cultivate these practices that will make you into the dancer or the violinist that you want to be. And that is the same thing with us and our spiritual practices. Of course, we can be a Christian or call ourselves Christians and not go to church. But these practices, these habits are what shape us and form us into the people that God wants us to be. Dallas Willard defines spiritual practices as activities that are done deliberately and regularly in order to engrave specific dispositions into our characters. We train ourselves through spiritual practice the way an athlete or a musician does, cultivating particular ways of thinking and desiring until they become second nature. As our desires change, so do our actions. Madeline Lingle said that spiritual practices were like playing etudes when learning to play the violin. So often we want to go straight to the sonatas and skip through practicing the etudes. But if you skip the practice of the things that are boring, you won't know what to do when you get to the sonatas, she says. And I know particularly for parents, Sometimes it's a struggle, right? It's, as a parent of a child who's learning to play an instrument, it's a struggle to make her practice and do those things that she doesn't want to do to get to where she wants to be. Or as a parent who struggles maybe having your children come to church or participate in spiritual practices. But my encouragement to you is don't give up. Those etudes help us get to the place where we can play the sonatas. Lauren Winner, who I mentioned earlier, is an Episcopal priest. She converted to Christianity from Orthodox Judaism. 
And in her book, Mudhouse Sabbath, she reflects on the ways rituals and spiritual habits form us and what Christians can learn from Jewish practices. She writes, Jews do these practices with more attention and wisdom. She's talking about practices like Sabbath keeping and praying, not because they are more righteous, nor because God likes them better, but rather because doing, because action sits at the center of Judaism. Your faith might come and go, but your practice doesn't waver. Indeed, Judaism suggests that the repeating of the practice is the best way to ensure that a doubter's faith will return. So repeating a practice might be a way that a doubter can return to their faith. My conviction is that life is about 95%, maybe 99% simply showing up. Cultivating spiritual habits and practices simply means showing up. Like my daughter, who I take to dance class week in and week out. Like when I have to uh, take her to her violin lessons and and I ask her to practice day in and day out. Like when you have to show up to the gym each week when you don't feel like it. Like praying or coming to communion even when you don't feel like it. Showing up. The culmination of our lives is not really about the big moments in life. I believe our lives will be defined by the small actions and decisions that we make consistently, day to day, week to week, year to year. Boring, really. Habits can be boring. But those habits are what will define your life. What will make it so that people will call you a dancer or a musician or a follower of Jesus. Finally, habits help us remember what we forget. As Christians, and really as people, we are very forgetful. I mean, last week was Easter, and here we are, the Easter lilies, besides that one lone one, is gone, the candy's all gone, and we've moved on to the next best thing. We are forgetful. We assimilate beliefs and desires from culture and neglect the basic truths of faith which recede from our consciousness from week to week. Even as we leave this space this morning, there will be things that we forget that we just heard. We become unconsciously habituated to disordered loves and to ways of life that contradict the kingdom of God. Our habits make us act without thinking because we've absorbed from a society a false vision of what really matters. We forget. We forget what matters is God and God's kingdom. But forgetfulness can be countered by reminder and repetition. Reminders and repetition. Habits. What we pay attention to becomes more prominent in our hearts and minds. And so that's why God had his people say and teach the Shema, that passage in Deuteronomy that we heard about loving your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Jews would literally bind those words on their foreheads so that they would be ever-present before them. They were taught to recite this to their children and talk about them. 
at home and when they're away, when they were lying down and when they got up in the morning, to bind them on their foreheads and write them on their doorposts. Make it a habit to teach and talk about and live in this way of loving God alone. They were practicing remembering. When we form habits that help us remember, they shape what we love and how we live our lives. One of the most precious things for me as a pastor is getting to sit with people, particularly at their time of death. And I've sat with many folks from congregations, um, whether in hospice care, and I often pray with them, and um, at the end of the prayer, we'll usually recite the Lord's Prayer. And I do this even if there's someone who um, maybe is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia and maybe cannot remember who I am or anything about um, our visit together. And yet when I get to the words of the Lord's Prayer, there have been moments that have been so profound where maybe the visit didn't seem very productive, but we start praying the Lord's Prayer and those words flow out of their mouths because they have practiced them. They have made them a habit and now they remember. They remember that God loves them. They remember who they are. And they remember to trust God with their lives. What are the habits that you need to cultivate? What are the habits that this church needs to cultivate? We are forgetful people. And we need to come and gather together regularly to remember In Winner's book, Still, Notes on a Mid-Faith Crisis, she writes about her friend Ellie, who was an Episcopal priest. And in her chapter, she says, these are things that Ellie says in church. Ellie tells us to lift up our hearts, broken or sore though they might be. Lift them up, and we do. Ellie tells us that we are welcome at the Lord's table. Ellie tells us, too, not to linger here too long. She tells us to eat this meal and then to go back out into the world to make the world into the Eucharist that we have just received. It is her job to tell us these things. It is her office. It is her vocation. When I absent myself from this place, when I sleep in too many Sundays in a row, when I make myself too busy to get to the midweek Eucharist, I forget them. I come here to be reminded You have sinned. You are forgiven. God is present. God is risen. God is with you. You have new life. Friends, we too are forgetful people. We need habits of gathering together. We need habits to help us cultivate our life in God. And when we do forget, we come to this place. We come here to be reminded we have sinned. We are forgiven. God is present. God is risen. God is with you. You have new life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.